is time. It's been a while since we've done a uh, After Dark episode, and uh, I'm very happy to be working on an episode that I, you know, feel truly, truly, truly in love with. Um, this is a topic that's going to be a fun, fun time, and I uh, couldn't have asked a better person to be with me on this journey other than my partner, Jason. Hey, what's up? So, I mean, who else could there be? Well, the there's thing is, no candidate in the running. Had this been like a month or two beforehand, we probably wouldn't have been able to roll out this episode. So I'm actually really glad that uh, you showed that the know-how and dedication to um, actually completing. You're uh, your buttering homework. me up like this. I mean, like I gotta make you feel good, right? In order to you know, roll this out, if you're in a bitter mood or if I you know start talking shit immediately, then well, uh, I think you will actually begin to hate me for a multitude of reasons when we get into that discussion. But hey, uh, welcome everyone. This is the. Good Good Anime Palette podcast. This is the second episode of our After Dark, which uh, Will forgot to mention. It took me like a minute before I realized I didn't even introduce uh, our, our podcast name. Yeah, exactly. So uh guess uh, that's... Uh, I got something else on my mind. Yeah. Which is the topic itself. That's but, correct. Yeah. Uh, this has been a while because we wanted to have originally an After Dark at least once every month. But I don't think... I think we missed one month. Yeah, and honest, honestly, like, you know, with the way that our schedules have been working, um, it's hard enough already uh, to do two regular episodes per month. So to throw in a third one to, uh, specifically for the After Darks, it was quite tough to fit into our schedules. But, you know, we somehow managed to make it happen. And uh, we're finally able to roll out the official second episode of the After Dark series. Yeah, and we're learning as we go. So, hey, no one's perfect, right? We're all human. Uh, except well, in this except world. Except in this world, because... Yeah. The discussion that we'll have is about Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, man, I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite manga properties. Uh, I've read the shit to death. It's, it's always hard to remember all the details just because it's been a while since I've read it. Uh, there are a lot of different story points and characters that it's, it's always hard to keep up on. But right. the, the main thing is I, I truly, truly, truly love Tokyo Ghoul. And one of the things that we wanted to do with the After Dark is talk about things that may not really work into a regular numbered episode. And one of these topics were either about a certain manga anime series or about a certain studio or about a certain voice actor or actress. Something that is enough for one episode but kind of not conducive to be a topic for a numbered episode. And we decided to do Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, usually with these after darks, we try to you know have more of like you know a personal spin on things. So we'll talk about things that you know we have a strong affinity to. Maybe we might get in our soapbox and have a bit of a rant. So it kind of doesn't really fall into the regular syndication of our of our uh, episodes. This is more just you know shooting the shit, talk about stuff we love, stuff we hate, uh, and inevitably there will be some spoilers in terms of the stuff that we talk about. So we we will, of course, uh, make a note during the episode when we start talking about some more spoiler-heavy or just stuff that, like, you know, if you haven't read or watched the Tokyo Ghoul or any series in future episodes, uh, we will make sure that we give you the heads up. Uh, I think the way that it will go is we will have a non-spoilery discussion, just kind of a broad overview. So if you wanted to listen just to see what we think about it or just to see what Tokyo Ghoul is all about... That is our intention. And then there will be a very obvious music break. And afterwards is when we get into the nitty-gritty spoilery discussions. Yeah, we don't want to make these episodes like specifically for like, quote-unquote, 
diehards or people in the know. We still want to make it so that you know, even if you aren't familiar with a certain series or maybe a specific voice actor, voice actress, any themes that you know are a little bit on the, the outside of your periphery, we don't want you to just be like, oh, well, I, I guess this isn't for me. Then. No. Yeah, I can't listen to it because I haven't watched or read whatever this is. Rather, we want to use these opportunities to get you to you know at least have some idea of what the story is about or, or like the backgrounds of a specific character or story right. or, so, or voice actor. So whether it is to convince you, the listeners, to read or watch Tokyo Ghoul, it also might serve as a good kind of knowledge to know what this series is about because this series is a pretty well-known, popular, critically acclaimed series. It's personally one of my favorites. And it's- it is one of Will's... Favorites. It's my baby. So, uh, Will, why don't you give us a little bit of background as to your Tokyo Ghoul? Ex- okay, actually, Tokyo Ghoul is based off of the anime. is based off of a manga mm-hmm. by uh, yeah. So the manga for or the manga artist for the Tokyo Ghoul manga is uh, Sui Ishida. So that was actually his first major work. I think he had been maybe working on a few um, one shots or maybe working as in an assistant. Maybe um, I don't know too much about his pre Tokyo Ghoul days, but Tokyo Ghoul was like the the major breakthrough, uh, and to this day, probably like the 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 main contribution to his 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 portfolio. I mean, like this was his baby for seven years. Tokyo Ghoul, the original manga, came out in 2011, and the overall series ended in 2018. So over seven years, he was able to pump out the original Tokyo Ghoul, followed by a short sort of like prequel manga called Tokyo Ghoul Jack, and then afterwards, uh, the last three four years <clears throat> was uh, Tokyo Ghoul Re. There were a few other like novels and art books that came in between some came out like a year or two afterwards but if we're talking like the the main original manga series it was over a seven year span yeah so will when did you first were aware of tokyo ghoul when did you start reading it and all that so i already knew about tokyo ghoul um but this was also a time when i I, i'd always been into anime and in some ways, manga as well. Um, but it wasn't like I was hardcore into that stuff uh, for, for for the longest time. Yeah, you know, I read and watched a bit when I was in college, and I came back to Hong Kong and started working, and you know, didn't really get back into it. Um, but you know, I still kind of stayed within the networks, within the, the the scene, and so every now and then you would just see, oh, Tokyo Ghoul this, Tokyo Ghoul that, and that was around the time when the anime had started airing, and for me, like. I've always been kind of that person where I would Google, hey, so-and-so property, anime versus manga. Which one should I go for? And specifically for Tokyo Ghoul, a lot of people were pointing towards the manga. But you know, being in Hong Kong, it wasn't like I was able to get the manga easily. You know, they're going to probably find the Chinese version somewhere. Yeah, but I'm not at that point now where like I want to reach through the Chinese one. I just wanted to read English. So... About four years ago, I was on a trip to Osaka. Um, so I was just, you know, wandering around a couple of um, stores. Some of them were, like, selling, like, you know, old school, you know, video games. Some of them were selling, like, um, different, like, like, Pokemon cards. And then I came across a store which was selling a lot of um, 
manga slash anime apparel. Not really like, specifically like cosplay, but it was like you would get those like bomber jackets um, or like those Hawaiian shirts that were anime inspired. So you would see some that were like uh, One Piece inspired, some of them were Dragon Ball, some of them were like Hunter Hunter. It was really cool. I ended up buying one, but then like a day later, I actually ended up leaving it at a restaurant. So I was pretty annoyed about that. But on top of buying that specific jacket, I think it was a One Piece jacket that I bought. Um, really annoyed that I lost it. But that same day, that same shop, I also then came across a section where it sold manga. Now you're thinking, okay, you're in Japan. Why are you buying manga? It's going to be all in Japanese. And that's what I thought too. Until I actually started looking a little closer and I found that this was specifically a section that was selling English manga. Now, I don't know if this was like a new thing or maybe it's always been like that, but I wouldn't have thought that finding English translated manga official manga was that easy in japan it's, you're in japan right like everything should be in japanese so i looked around and i saw oh so they had like um some uh some one piece they had some assassination classroom i was actually really close to picking that until i saw the cover art for tokyo ghoul volume one and to me at the time like oh this looks this looks sick I then Googled, oh, should I read Assassin's Classroom or should I read Tokyo Ghoul? Now, eventually, I did end up reading Assassin's Classroom too. I still managed to get the manga afterwards, but I was really fixated on Tokyo Ghoul. And so I bought the first two volumes because that, that's all they had there at the time. And within two hours of buying it, I had already completed both volumes and I wanted more. So I went around the rest of Tokyo just trying to see if I can find it. Managed to get like a third and fourth volume. Nowhere else could I find anything else. So I ended up having to buy the rest of them online. And I mean, it was just, it was just a no-brainer purchase. Since then, like, I've just been like a, a hardcore Tokyo Ghoul fan. Not so hardcore that I remember everything, but like enough to have bought every single thing. And to champion it, right? It's, it's personally a top five for me. So for me, uh, I always knew that Tokyo Ghoul existed in the periphery. It's not that I didn't like it or it was just more of, oh, yeah, there's that thing over there. Sure. People like it a lot. It's very popular. So I know roughly what's it about. And it wasn't until Will's uh, ringing endorsement for Tokyo for, Ghoul. For over a year, really. Yeah. So then one day, I actually think it was just out of nowhere. One day I just told Will's like, oh, yeah, I'm reading Tokyo Ghoul. I think I actually was going to read it in secret. And then I kind of spilled the beans and you were just like, <gasps> I was so happy yeah. when you told me that you were finally cracking open Tokyo Ghoul. So then uh, I read it here and there, had several binge sessions, and then finished everything, which includes the original uh, manga series Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Ghoul Jack, which is the prequel, and also Tokyo Ghoul Re. Now, um, we need to tell everyone, because we have been going on and on about uh, how we got into this series. We actually don't know if the listeners know what the series is about. It's not hard to figure out from the name, right? No, Tokyo I don't know. Ghoul. But what is a ghoul? Set in Tokyo. Yes, but and what is about, a ghoul? It's about ghouls. And so to sort of give like a brief synopsis on the story, it follows uh, a main character. His name is Ken Kaneki. Uh, just a you know regular young schoolboy, just going about his days, just... University. Having, uh, yeah, so young man. He's uh, you know, having a, you know, a quick catch-up with one of his friends, Hideyoshi. Uh, and you know, one, the, the opening montage for the manga was just basically a news report 
talking about the increase of ghoul attacks in uh, in their neighborhood. Now, what are ghouls specifically? You could say they're kind of like, you know, vampire monsters, but they take the form of human beings. So there's, I mean, later on they start explaining, you know, how to really differentiate uh, the, uh, you know, a human from a ghoul um, on the sort of like biological level. Um, but uh, you know, I don't want to go into that because it could have some spoilers. Um, we can talk about that later on. Um, and then he's just like, oh, you know, these ghoul attacks are getting crazy. Oh man, like fuck ghouls. Ghouls are fucked up. You know, they eat humans and shit to survive. But it's like, you know, that, that means like, you know, it's us against them, right? And not only that, but the ghouls are, even though they look exactly the same as a human being, they are infinitely more powerful in terms of both strength and also uh what would you call it like their skin or like their they're more tough they're more tough yeah. yeah basically yeah so it's 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 essentially an us versus them mentality right they're the predators that are trying to take us out because they see us as prey so we need to band together and exterminate the ghouls until you know during that same meeting a young woman walks into the shop you know Tall, slender, uh, in the anime, she's got purple hair. So I think, uh, you know, Jason feels some type of way about purple-haired characters. I have no idea what you're talking about, Will. We can talk about that in spoilers then. Uh, and then she's like, oh, you should, and Hide, the friend's like, oh, you should totally ask her out. She's kind of cute and everything. Turns out, okay, cool. They end up going on a date. It's going very fine. He's like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. I've never had this kind of experience with this beautiful woman before. She goes in for a kiss. And then suddenly he's bleeding. And he feels pain. Turns out he wasn't getting kissed. He was actually getting eaten by this girl. Now, the girl's name is Rize. And she's going to be a very important character throughout the story because she is actually, lo and behold, a motherfucking ghoul. And he's getting eaten alive by his date and he's just trying to escape run away he's like what the fuck's going on oh my god like, I'm actually going to fucking die I'm going to die and then you know in terms of you know, how the story progresses you figure okay this guy's in a bad situation something's going to happen to save him right yep metal pipes and scaffolding fall crushes Rize and he's saved or so you think because he's already taken so much damage that he's literally hanging on to his life until ambulances come they take him to the hospital, into A&E. He gets emergency uh, surgery, and he somehow lives. But the way he lives is because they managed to find the body of Rize, the ghoul that he was on a date with, implanted her organs into him, and because of that, he's able to survive. But, of course, like, wait a minute, this is a human with ghoul parts. How is that supposed to work? Well, somehow they managed to adapt, and then he then starts developing ghoul powers himself. In fact, like the one scene where he starts to wake up is he has that, um, uh, he has the oxygen mask on him and his eyes start opening up and one of his eyes is not a, hu a normal human eye, but rather like the red ghoul eyes. So then you can see, oh shit, he's turned. He's now one of them. The one thing that he said he wanted to fucking exterminate, he is now that thing. He lived long enough to become the villain. Right. And that's the beginning of Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, and then it just talks about his journey into the world of ghouls, non-ghouls, uh, you know, uh, good and bad and all that stuff and everything in between. So, we uh, 
we finished all the manga. I watched a bits and pieces, but very little of the anime, which we will also explain why that's the case. But um, to to me, the anime doesn't exist except for the openings. Oh Jesus! Oh God. okay, yeah, okay. Um, which I will go passionately into. So it is very obvious from hearing Will speak about this is that it he loves Tokyo Ghoul, which is fine. the manga. The manga, right? Yes. And let that be clear. Yes. Uh, top five, as as he said, and uh, he swears by it, which is. Great. For me, I am, on his recommendation, I finished the manga series, and I have also watched some of the anime, bits and pieces, like not all the way through. Just OG, or do you watch any of the subsequent stuff? I jumped all around because it was on Netflix, so I just, right. I just jumped all around. Oh, by the way, uh, it's on Netflix, so if you ever want to check it out... Easy watch. It's on Netflix. Don't fall for the trap. So... We are going to talk about how we feel about the series in general. How do you want to break this down, Will? Do you want to just talk about the Tokyo Ghoul series first and then talk about Re and then talk about Jack? How, how do you want to go about doing this? Because I feel like your opinions, at least you have indicated, to be very clear. But maybe we don't know why that's the case. And also, technically, I'm the newbie, even though I've read it. So maybe there are some things that you want to ask me or some anything along those lines. Well, I, I think like Tokyo Ghoul kind of speaks to me on a pretty deep level because like I mean as as you've um, perpetuated throughout the, uh, the this podcast. Here we go. Here we go. You know, it's you know this this was the beginning of Edgelord Will. This is the beginning. Is, of is my, this really the inception of Edgelord Will? The no conception of yeah, Edgelord th- Will. Yeah, this was you know the beginning of the path to edginess of darkness, right? Um, I mean, I, I'd already watched, you know, a few sort of like, you know, dark and gritty shows, but none to the point where like this actually like meant a lot to me. You know, like Tokyo Ghoul, like, okay, on the surface, it just sounds like any sort of typical like shonen action horror kind of manga slash anime. But, you know, there's also, you know, deeply rooted into it a lot of, you know, a lot of philosophy, Right in terms of you know what it means to be a human, what it means to have two forces fighting against each other, when in a way you can't really have one without the other. I right? think a very common sort of device, a literary, I mean not literary device, but it was used kind of as a theme is novels because there's a particular novel that uh, Ken was really into, and also that was the catalyst to strike a conversation between him and Rize in the very beginning of volume one because they share their fondness for this author. And later on, this author does show up. And and there is like things about that later on that's all very, so very spoilery, but it constantly refers to the literary work of this uh, obviously fictional author. And it's quite interesting. They drink lots of coffee as well. Yes. So here's the thing. When you turn into a ghoul in the lore... Or a uh, half ghoul as it is with um, Ken because he is uh, human and then turned into a ghoul. So he's like... What they... uh, he's an artificial ghoul. Right. Ghouls cannot eat normal food that humans consume. Yeah, they... Their bodies just end up rejecting it. It just tastes like literal shit. Or like it's just like it's disgusting to them. Repulsive. Like they puke it out and stuff. Uh, also... They have to eat human 
for some reason, they cannot be animals. It has to be human beings in order to sustain themselves as sustenance. I mean, right? How else are you going to push the plot, right? Exactly. So, but there is one thing that all ghouls can consume that human beings also consume. The and sweet, it is sweet nectar of coffee. And uh, I love coffee. I love black coffee. I love espresso. Espresso. Yes. Yes. Not, not EX. Not espresso. Not espresso. Espresso. So, uh,. The fact that coffee is a big deal in Tokyo Ghoul and for the ghouls, I was like, yeah, they get it. Yeah. I mean, this is not a spoiler as well, right? In terms of you know him being uh, a half ghoul, he didn't need to... You know, he, he's in a bit of a predicament, right? On the one hand, he still very much feels that he's human, right? He still keeps his own identity. He's still like, you know, like, I'm still Ken Kaneki, right? Like, I don't need to eat human flesh or to, murder to, or murder to survive but as soon as he starts eating regular food like he, I think he got a burger he starts grabbing some bread he just starts drinking milk and stuff like that he finds that he's just constantly throwing up he just cannot stomach it and so he slowly starts breaking down it's like i'm actually going to starve to death i don't eat something but i can't stomach this normal food and then that's when like the animalistic instincts of being a ghoul starts kicking in. He starts, you know, getting a little more bloodthirsty, and he's like, he's he's conflicted. It's almost akin to, uh, you know, like many pop culture phenomenons of uh, someone who turned into a vampire and wants needs to drink blood, but can it doesn't is still holding on to his or her human tendencies in nature and is trying to reject the notion of consuming human blood. Basically, this is that, but a little bit more extreme because you literally eat like cannibalism in a way, except they're not cannibal uh, because they're not humans. Yeah, it's not like you can just find someone to, oh, he's, he's the bloodletting individual. He's going to be able to supply me with blood as long as they maintain their relationship. They'll be fine. No, this guy literally has to secure the flesh of a human being in order to live. So you might think to yourself, okay, Will and Jason has gone on a lot about how scary and powerful these ghouls are. What is the humans going to do to defend themselves against this being that they can't really tell because they look like regular humans? They're not like vampires where they cannot like go out during the day. No, no, no. They're, they're for all intents and purposes, other than their uh, appetite and their diet, they and their strength. But you can't see that. They're just regular. They look like regular human beings that walk the day and night with no problem whatsoever. So there is what there is sort of a commission. There is a group, an organization called the CCG, which stands for Commission of Counter Ghoul, which is essentially policemen that fight ghouls, specifically a division to take out and control the ghoul population. That's correct. And uh, control, well, I mean, by control, I mean like through severe extermination. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, it's also important to say that in this Tokyo, they separate the regions. So it's, but it's not like, oh, Shibuya. It's not like, you know, Akihabara. No, they do it through like the different wards where there's like, certain amount of attacks. It's like, okay, so like there have been this many feedings in this area. There's like a, This is like a massive hunting ground. Oh, this one's kind of quiet, so there's not that many attacks. So then they'll have district... They'll call them wards. That's correct. And it just so happens that there are a bunch of all these headquarters in the all scattered all over Tokyo with the first ward being the headquarters of the CCG. And uh, 
It just turns out that Ken and uh, at least with the original Tokyo Ghoul, a lot of the story takes place in the place that he lives, which is also known as the 20th Ward. And now the 20th Ward is a pretty interesting ward, apparently, because it is rather, how, how should I put rather peaceful compared to some of the more chaotic, infighting uh, other wards. Because ghouls don't necessarily like each other. They have to fight for food. They have to fight for survival. And some of the times they just hate each other. So, uh, But the 20th Ward in particular is very peaceful. It's definitely more diplomatic, right? Like, I mean, like as you mentioned, right? You, you hear fighting over the same food source. You're going to enc- encounter like strong competition. People start weeding out the weak. Therefore, then you have like ghouls moving into the more the more desolate, more quiet, uh, less populated wards where you know these feeding grounds, you know, food's not food's not plentiful. Right? So, you, you're going to yeah. find more aggressive ghouls in areas which are highly populated because it just means it's more food for them, more for them to hunt. So, long story short, Ken kind of wanders into a mini organization, which is a coffee house called uh, Antiku, right? Mm-hmm. Which is looks on the surface just like a regular coffee shop place, but actually is the ghoul version of their headquarters in the 20th Ward. And it talks about how he eventually befriends these people, you know, socialize with them, gets to understand what things are like, what life is like from the ghoul's perspective. Yeah. It's basically for him, it's like this is probably as human as he can get. Right, they're operating a coffee shop. Regular humans can also go in there too. There's nothing that was like, you know, at least you know, on surface level, like too crazy. It's like, oh, this is just a regular coffee shop. Until one day, um, a young woman and her child walk into the coffee shop, and oh, not suspecting, they're probably just in here to have a meal. He then walks into a room and then sees a little girl eating human flesh. Right. But it's also important to note that the way that they obtain, uh, the 20th Ward obtains these uh, human flesh these is... parcels of food, yeah. Yeah, it actually is not through murdering people, but there is a rather diplomatic option. I mean, not, not diplomatic option. The, the way that they go about it is rather harmless in a weird way, but I won't reveal how it's done because I think that gets too close to about story plots and things like that. But needless to say, they don't murder uh, people. And that's the reason why the 20th Ward in general has been rather peaceful. Yeah, it's much more low yield, but in a way, like you said, right, it maintains the peace. It doesn't bring attention to the organization, which is why, you know, again, it's a ghoul-operated coffee shop, but to this day, at least to this day, it's still very much, you know, operating... Out in the open. So, no issues whatsoever. Yeah. So the Commission of Counter Ghoul, CCG, uh, has investigators of various ranks, and their job is to police ghouls and obviously to kill and manage the presence of ghouls. And there's like battles ensue, action here and there. Oh, there's a ranking system as well. Yeah, it's, it's, everything is bloody and uh, people die and everything's get really edgy and things like that. In true ranking form, the top rank is S-ranked. Of course, because why not, right? Because the only letter better than higher than A is S. Yes. Yes. And then? Imagine, like, actually going to school and instead of getting like, an A+, plus, your GPA is calculated off of S's. Yeah, and then it goes 
down how so? Uh, well, I mean, I'm testing your knowledge right yeah, now. It's S, A, B. I think there's C as well. Does it get, get no, there's rank C? one, two, three. Oh, okay. So there you go. Someone read it like last week, and now it's testing the knowledge of someone who read it like two years ago. Hey, but it's your favorite property, right? Yeah, but I mean, like you're also doing catch up, and therefore you're trying to prove a point. Nah, it's fine. So okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just all right. My bad, Will. My Fuck bad. You. Okay. So how about now you've heard what Will thinks about the series, which he's very enthusiastic about it, of course. I will tell you my thoughts on the series, at least with the Tokyo Ghoul. Uh, series it's fantastic right it's the greatest thing you ever read right i think it's good i think it's quite good actually okay. i'll take that i'll take that uh it's not that like just because i'm known to be the more fluffy uh kind of person that i do not appreciate the grim dark violent properties that are out there i wa- i read and watch quite a bit but uh tokyo ghoul has always eluded me one way or the other and as I said, it wasn't until Will's glowing recommendation did I finally pull the trigger on it and was like, fine, let's do this. So I have certain issues, and I think with the series, and I think a lot of uh, people will probably either agree or disagree with me on these various points. The first thing that I feel that is very painfully obvious is the art. I think the art in the very beginning versus the art that was towards even the latter half of the original Tokyo Ghoul series is night and day. I feel like in the very beginning, it looks way more anime cartoony. Like, it, everyone has wide eyes. It, 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 it does not give the same feeling uh, that I feel that Tokyo Ghoul's tone is, which is it's dark, it's heavy, it's grimy, it's edgy, it's violence. Instead, it's like wide eyes, things like that. And I, I'd call that nitpicking, but okay. Yeah. But I feel like the art definitely improves, vastly improves, in fact, as it goes later on. Uh, I think the other thing that I find that was rather uh, problem, not problematic, but rather annoying, is the slow start in the very beginning. And not only the slow start, but one thing in particular which is uh, Ken's reluctance to eat human flesh. Now, I very much understand that in a hypothetical situation, when you are being forced or you need to eat, you need to be a cannibal, that is not a light, flowery subject or issue to tackle. However, when it comes to the manga, it does, like his struggle was very well portrayed, but goes on for way too long. I mean, that's the whole point of it, though, right? But I was sick of it. Yeah, but, I mean, that's... Well, how else would you portray someone's development as a character when he still needs to come to terms that he's no longer human? Because I I don't feel like we learned that much about him. You do. He's a bitch. Yeah, okay, that's... That's what I found out. Right. That, that, but that's it's really be, annoying. But, but it's because of his reluctance to eat humans. Therefore, you then see the changes of the characters around him too, 
right? Like you have the characters like Toka. It's like, why do you think you're better than us? Because you were once human, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Toka think? being uh, one of the waitresses yeah. and uh, of the coffee shop and Tiku and is also a ghoul as well. Right. And then you have, you know, the, the coffee shop owner also telling him, Yoshimura, I think, um, talking about like, hey, look, like this is the way things are, but we're doing things in a way where we maintain order within you know, our ward within society. So therefore, I understand you might feel a certain way about eating humans, but this is the reality you live now and we're going to make it as easy as it can be for you. Yeah, and also ghouls are not savages as you might think. Yeah, sure, we eat human flesh, but we are not necessarily quote-unquote just black and white evil is the point of uh, the old man, right? Yeah, but I mean like... I, I felt that the, the struggle that Ken had been going through all the way from you know, the beginning through to the end of the manga, at least at the end of OG Tokyo Ghoul, was just basically his whole like internal struggle personified. Right, like you, like you, you don't see someone after a couple volumes and some think, okay, well, I guess this is the situation I'm in now. I guess this is why I have to do. This is this is what my life is now. Like it's like it really comes down to just seeing how real it can be for a character to be thrown into a situation where this is not how a normal character should be. This is not how normal life should be. And I get, okay, maybe it went on a bit long. I I was yes. personally okay with it. I, you know? I think the struggle is fine. I just thought it went on a bit long. The other thing that I would say, though, is, and I think you agree a little bit, not as, uh, I guess, aggressive as I am, is the pacing in the very beginning was rather slow. It does pick up very well after certain arcs and certain action, uh, certain raids, let's just say. But afterwards, like before that was, I understand was like setting the groundwork, setting the lore, but it was also... Being safe as well, right? Like you don't want to like just blow your load and just try and like cram up everyone's, oh my god, this thing is insane, and afterwards just be left with nothing. But I get it though, right? Playing it safe doesn't necessarily always mean it's going to be good. I was okay with it. But I mean, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm biased as fuck, so. Yeah. Uh, and you're not alone, Will, because the whole world really likes uh, this series. At least with Tokyo Ghoul or OG, it's like, on Mal, it's uh, 8.53, the manga, which is very, very, very respectable. Right. More respectable than is, you know, I mean, the ranking, the, 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 the score means that it's ranked in the just under the top 100 but in terms of popularity it's the fifth most popular manga on the website yeah and that's crazy it also sold very well so it's made it's done by suesha viz media which uh is also well known for doing a lot of uh weekly shonen jump properties uh except uh tokyo ghoul was not in weekly shonen jump right or was it uh, it was it was not. All right. So while oh, wait, no, it was it was okay. We, it is it, no, no. It was weekly, weekly young, young jump. jump. So not weekly not shonen, shonen jump. jump. Yeah, weekly young jump. And I'm I'm assuming that young jump is for a little bit more mature audience than shonen yeah, because it's weird. like shonen and young. When they mean young, they mean young adult. Yes. Right. So you're talking about specifically the people who are like in like the 17, 18 through to like and then the, the early twenties. And then the seinen is seinen like, is like more actual adult. Right. right? Which is uh, I think in Japan twenty years old. Yeah. Because that's when you're allowed to drink yeah. in, in Japan. As soon as you're able to buy alcohol legally, 
Um, and get a license or something. Yeah, then that's when you would be uh, in that seinen category. So shonen is like the in between of no 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 sorry uh, young young adult is like kind of the in between. It's it's weird. Yeah, because you could actually like you could see stuff that like permeates into shonen or permeates into sh- and seinen. But specifically for this, we'll just say. Uh, between the ages of 17 and 20. And not the weekly Shonen Jump magazine that we alluded to in... Uh, not alluded to, we spoke a lot about in episode two, and the one that dominates uh, sort of Japan when it comes to manga, which has, uh, you know, uh, My Hero Academia, you know, uh, wait, what what else is, like, uh, uh, on, uh, like, what, Chainsaw Man? Yep. So, weekly Shonen Jump is the... The titan of... I think it's the standard. It's the standard, yeah. Right? If you get stuff serialized on it, like, you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty fucking well. And uh, the popularity is pretty consistent in terms of the rest of the series. I mean, if we're talking, like, popularity specifically for Tokyo Ghoul, the original manga, like, being fifth, there's only four properties that are higher. With the anime, Tokyo Ghoul is number seven in terms of popularity. Which we could talk about uh, in the latter part of this discussion. Yeah. So, uh, you know which, which are the four that are ranked higher than Tokyo Ghoul on my anime list? Okay, let me think. You can probably name two right off the bat. So, it would be Berserk. Yep, that's second. It would be JoJo. Surprisingly not. Okay, okay. So, uh, I get three strikes, right? Um, let me think. Is Full Metal Alchemist? No. Oh, Jesus. I'm really- Full Metal Alchemist is only 13th. Wow, I'm really bad at this. Uh, okay, just just tell me. Right, so number one is Attack on Titan. Okay. Right, Berserk was second. You got that one. Number three, One Piece, man. Okay. Yeah, number four is Naruto. Okay. So, obvious no-brainers there. Um, but there are also things, for example, like One Punch Man, like Death Note, like like you said, right? Even Even Demon Slayer is not in the top five. Demon Slayer is 16th. But, you know, it, again, it comes down to like the longevity of these properties too, right? And like how active people are on the website. It, just because you know, there's not many people using Mal doesn't mean that it doesn't transcend into like the, the wider audience. We know the extent of Demon Slayer. We're just using this specifically on my anime list, stating that in terms of popularity, Tokyo Ghoul is way up at the top. Uh, so it's not only popular and sold a lot of mangas in the millions... But also, it has been uh, critically acclaimed. I think one in particular that I feel like uh, we should highlight was in 2018, it was nominated for a Best Manga category for the 30th Harvey Awards. So Harvey Awards, to my knowledge, is a Western uh, award. It's a pretty big deal as well. Yeah. So the fact that it was even nominated, which unfortunately did not win, but uh, it... It just shows you how important and how popular the series is, especially like, you know with the manga coming out like seven years prior to getting the nomination. Like it definitely had to work and graft its way there. Um, but you know even without the award, just looking at the the sales themselves, um, it's it's pretty incredible. A lot of the sales numbers now are basically like including the Tokyo Ghoul re sales data, but just generally like throughout the seven years. It, it, it put in work. It got a lot of manga uh, right. in circulation. So uh, you can definitely purchase the manga through, uh, you know, like you, where you buy online uh, 
manga. You can get it from Viz. Viz Media. But you can also get it from Manga Plus, the Suecia app. Yep. You can buy it online on your phone. Yep. So if you want to access it through there, and as we mentioned earlier, the anime, I think in its entirety, is available on uh, Netflix. You can easily find it. And if it's not, it's on Crunchyroll. It's actually, like, it should be everywhere, to my knowledge. It's still really popular to this day. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, okay, fine. Like, the overall series ended in 2018. The, we're talking about Tokyo Ghoul Re, the, the, the manga. So, over a seven year run. Um, with both Tokyo Ghoul OG and Tokyo Ghoul Re, as of 2019, combined was like 44 million over. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's extremely good numbers. Yeah. Like, not that many manga that sell over 10 million copies to begin with. So to go four times over that, over four times over that, like it's, it's a stellar achievement. So I have earlier talked about some of the, I guess Will would call it nitpicking, but some of the issues that I've had with the manga. So now I will transition to what I really like about the manga. I think one of the things that... Everything? One of the things that I'm ignoring what he just said. You love everything about it? I think one of the things that is really good about Tokyo Ghoul is the tone and the violence. I think violence is done in such a way that it is brutal, but is brutal in a way that is also like it's it's really impactful in a way that is just like everything is hopeless, everything is dire. Oh, you are having a every uh, these two characters are having a a, a nice uh, wholesome moment. Watch as it gets ripped apart in front of your eyes. You're on the ground crying as the reader, and then your your head raises up and all you see is just carnage. Yeah, there were definitely several chapters. At least you know when I first started reading the manga, where it 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 got me. It hit me hard. So there it was, was... It was really tough to wa- to read some of the chapters. So I think it was like when I was reading it, there was a process where I was just like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bloody. Like, okay, it's pretty violent. Yeah, I mean, you and I have read our fair share of, mm-hmm. of bloody manga. Gory, watched, yeah. yeah. I mean, like we've, we've both watched and read Parasite, right? Yes. So, but I think one of the first moments where I was like, oh, God, this is not what I thought was when... Uh, Earlier, Will was talking about uh, a daughter and mother that shows up. Oh, are we really going into this right now? Uh, I'm not going to talk about what happens, but let's just say what happens there was just... I was like, oh, I see. So this is Tokyo Ghoul. Okay, I see. I see what this is about. And then it just doesn't let go of that struggle. And uh, Yeah, that particular chapter was fucking rough because it wasn't just like it's just it wasn't like a one-two punch it was a one two three four five oh you're down on the ground i'm just gonna kick you a couple of times more punch and kick so it was really i thought like the violence was done in a way that believe it or not was kind of meaningful or impactful at the very least i think it it definitely sets up a lot of things that you know developed throughout the rest of the manga like it's that it's that trigger point for a lot of central characters to the story yeah you yes you have to go through it and it is really rough and emotional and sometimes i have to i i I remember first reading it and i had to do a double take i just had to look back at the panels like 
damn, that should really happen. Holy fuck. Wait, hold on a second. And then it's like, okay, you have to accept it. And then you move on. And then afterwards, like every other character that has witnessed this event in the story is just as deeply affected as you. I mean, the, the whole point is just to yep. try and grip the, the reader's emotions. And I feel like it that, got me. It got me real hard. And I feel like that uh, doesn't let let go, let out throughout the entirety of the series. And that was when I finally realized that this is the distinctive nature of Tokyo Ghoul. So that is one thing that I will undoubtedly give much praise for. I think the other thing that was pretty cool is the aesthetics, particularly with uh, an apparel that a bunch of the ghouls wear. So in the world of Tokyo Ghoul, you uh, the ghouls eat people, but... And they're hunted by the CCG investigators. But why wouldn't it be easy to identify these ghouls? Because you just look at their faces. You look at their red eyes that is very distinctive of ghouls. And you just go like, that's a ghoul. Let's murder him or let's catch him. Get the CCG investigators. So in order to counter that, they have masks that they wear to symbolize like that they are a ghoul. To hide their identity so that they can battle and feed without revealing who they are. They're all customized for like their own personal tastes. Too, and I right? have to say that the aesthetics of those masks are all over the place in like the best way possible. Some of them are wacky. Some of them are very symbolic of the nature of the characters. Some are just simple and straightforward. And some are just simple and straightforward. Some are like... A, a lot of them like really do come down to like a, re- a reflection of the character themselves. Yeah, and that's what something I really like about that series. The fact that they make something as, I would say, very non-consequential as a mask to have it have so much life, I think is worth commending. I also feel that uh, the characters are quite interesting as well in general. Obviously, there's the whole thing of good versus bad, you know, black and white, are ghouls monsters or are human monsters? Like, that kind of theme has been played to death with tons of other series. I feel like Tokyo Ghoul does that theme justice and does it well. But not only that, but it takes it a step further to show different sides and how they live and how, at the end of the day, I guess the moral of the story is life is hard and people need to do what they need to do to survive. And sometimes that means fighting for your life. Dog eat dog world. Yeah. Ghoul eat human, human eat ghoul, ghoul eat ghoul. It's it's just a messed up world. So it's dystopian as fuck. Right. So we will then move on to Tokyo Ghoul Jack, which I think is just very quick and I mean, there really isn't much to go over other than the fact that it's a prequel. It's right? a prequel, it's, it's one like, volume, you know, seven like chapters. Leading up to like the formation of the CCG, you know, like the, the, the initial like ghoul attacks you know, that brought the attention of the public to the existence of ghouls. I think like you don't even have to technically read Jack. I mean, it's added material, but I don't think it's compulsory material. I liked it, but it was like, again, like you said, right? It's just an aside. Oh, yeah, I liked it too, but it was more of like an afterthought that I feel added flavor to the world rather than oh, this is like a must-read. Like, you might know more about certain characters or, like, you know, the formation of uh, the CCG itself, but really, like, I don't feel like it benefited my overall reading experience of Tokyo Ghoul. I don't think it detracted either, but yes, I don't think it enhanced it either. One thing I do have to say, though, is, as with a lot of these prequels, do not 
read the prequel first. It's so weird in like fucking anime and manga, right? Like it's it's like um. Okay, this is like a massive aside, but it's like the Fate series and how they had Fate Zero, because technically Fate Zero was before the Fate Day Night storyline, but if you watched Fate Zero first, you actually end up spoiling stuff that comes afterwards. So it's like that kind of dilemma, right? Like it's called a prequel, but like if you watched it before the main story, you end up ruining certain yeah. so, things. So similar to that, Jujutsu Kaisen is a series that Will and I love to bits. We haven't read the manga, in fact... We did, I didn't read a single issue of the manga. I'm holding off on it. I but, want to, I, I, I've enjoyed every moment of watching the anime yeah, so far. Me too, immensely. And we watched it, all of it that is available. But they announced a double O movie, which is the prequel. And there is a manga prequel called Issue Zero or Volume Zero. Except you should not read Volume Zero until you read a bunch of Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, I think like, this is just like... A PSA to all the listeners here, and hopefully it reaches a wider audience. Anytime there is a manga, anime, any property really that says it's a prequel, don't read, watch, or play that first. Just Google it, though. Just Google it to see. Just to if, make sure. Just you're make not, sure. Yeah. yeah. So there will be forums that are like spoiler free, and we'll let you know what to expect uh, if you do read it or watch it beforehand, uh, the before the main series. Uh, and if it's just basically pure spoilers, they'll just let you know and say, hey, like, just don't touch it until you're done with the main shit. Okay, so that is Jack, Tokyo Ghoul Jack. Now let's get into the fact that Will doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And let's talk about Tokyo Ghoul Re. Yeah, this is the part where both Jason and I feel, I mean, I wouldn't say massively different. I mean, we were always going to have some different opinions about the manga itself, right? Like, I liked original Tokyo Ghoul more. You liked Tokyo Ghoul Re more. But both of them are great. I think, yes, that's correct. I think both of them are great. I definitely liked Re quite a bit more than Tokyo Ghoul. So uh, my final score that I gave the Tokyo Ghoul manga series is an 8 out of 10. Uh, I just feel like it was it's done very well, but it didn't really... Uh, speak to me on the level that Will did. I mean, it's just different strokes for different folks. With Re, though, I gave it a 9 out of 10 or a 4.5 stars out of 5 stars, and I gave Tokyo Ghoul, obviously, 4 stars out of 5 stars. I think that Re is quite impressive. Yeah, I think because the fact that you know, you've seen everything kind of you know develop over the first story and then when you get into the second story you know the characters are more well developed the world is set yes the storyline so they don't have to fleshed like, out yes exactly so they don't have to do all that because they already assumed you would know and of course you would assume to know all of it but that's i guess that's why like i liked og more because the emotion was more raw and i guess like when it comes to the art style yeah okay fine like you and i have different perspectives on how you you know see the work see the art i personally liked both I really liked the artwork for, you know, especially in Volume 2, right? The artwork was, wow, it was so good. Mm. The rest of it was also great, too. So Tokyo, I'm speaking specifically mm-hmm. about one specific chapter in Volume 2, which we will talk about in the latter discussion. So Tokyo Ghoul Re is the sequel to Tokyo Ghoul, and it takes place after Tokyo Ghoul, obviously, because it's the sequel. I like it a lot, as Will mentioned, because not only has the groundwork already been laid out, I understand that Tokyo Ghoul, the original manga series, without it, you won't get the sequel because, of course, that's just that's just the way it is. 
So it's, you go in straight away, assuming you know about ghouls. You know about the CCG. You know about like the, all the characters. You know about the plight of being a human being in this world. But I have to say that uh, seeing all these characters that I'm familiar with, sort of grow and be in different circumstances. Some in the same, some different, some doing better, some doing worse. And it's just not a straightforward story at that point. I feel that Tokyo Ghoul is a rather simple story in terms of plot beats. Doesn't necessarily mean that's bad. But if I were to sort of describe the plot of Tokyo Ghoul, I can do so with way less words than with Tokyo Ghoul Re. I also feel that Tokyo Ghoul Re deals a little bit with more mature themes. And I know this is the part that will disagrees or maybe not fully agrees with me on it. But well, I mean, I, I do agree with the whole using fewer words to describe Tokyo Ghoul, right? Yeah. Main character comes across an uh, unexpected event and is now a hot girl for, fighting for his life in a new world. Yeah. And, the another- and he's also super powerful. Right. Done. Tokyo Ghoul Re, though, there is like many things that I feel that I like, but there is several things that I do not like. When we say like when I say like there's definitely more mature themes in the second part in Re, I don't mean that it's like oh this is like more adult oriented blah, blah blah. What I mean more is that like the emotions are a little more simmered down, and the fact that it's not like just like raw angsty sort of you know oh what was me me against the world kind of emotion. It's more just like everyone's a little more calm and collected. But because of that, that means that when you start seeing pure evil, like it's it's fucking cold. Yeah, I. The other, the, uh, the last thing that Will just reminded me of, which is I don't, the thing that I do not like too much about Tokyo Ghoul, the original series, but I like more about Re is that it's more subtle. Tokyo Ghoul, I feel, is more, as Will said, angst and edgy. Like, you could see a lot of, like, animosity and hatred, like, on the forefront. Yes. Whereas with Tokyo Ghoul Re, a lot of it is, like, under the radar and layers, but when it does come out, it's like you—you you could sometimes you either slowly see it build up and then it hits you, or it just comes out of left field, and you're just like, "What the fuck did I just read?" Like Tokyo Ghoul Re has those moments which kind of get you off guard. In the first one, a lot of times you do see it happening, and when it does happen, like at least for me, it was just raw emotion, fucking gory, brilliant emotion. So I feel that. I like Re more than original Tokyo Ghoul. And I have to say, though, now I will tell you the things that I do not like about Tokyo Ghoul Re. The first of which is the amount of characters that show up in Tokyo Ghoul Re. I should have calc- I should have like tallied up how many characters. Maybe I'm sure the character list is like over 100? three times more than what you would see in the first manga series yeah but it's because like you said right like character development has you know fleshed out you can start seeing more of the ccg more of the ghouls you see new faces right therefore you're bound to see more characters but there are so many that some of them were so forgettable that i was just like i don't even remember their names i just remember oh that's the guy with that power or that's the girl who did this thing that's that person's right hand man yeah and and that's it i i and then it it just becomes this like it becomes faceless in a weird way yeah it's it's so hard to keep track of all the characters especially because like these characters you come across they all have their own backstories of you know who they are 
to this day, who like why they became the way they are, uh, or just you know their personal struggle with identity, their personal struggle of where they fit in the world, and that, that I feel that that was one of the shortcomings of oh, shortcomings. It's actually kind of harsh to say shortcomings because I still really enjoyed it. I just felt that like if there were fewer characters but more focus on the characters that were there, kind of like how original Tokyo Gold did. Um, it would have been a little more fleshed out, but I still like the way it did. It I think it's if, still, it was still was good. I think if they int- they should introduce more uh, characters and new faces, but the fact that they overdid it, I think, is the fact that it is. There's got to be a line. Yeah, right? there's got to be a line. So, for example, in front in the manga, when you read like the first co- like two three pages before the table of contents, they do this uh, character kind of refresher where they show a character's name, their face. And like a brief synopsis of like the character, so you remember. I think in Tokyo Ghoul, the most was like one or two pages, and most of them were one page. In Tokyo Ghoul Re, I distinctly remember it extending to three to four pages, and even that was not enough to show all of even the major characters. Yeah, the cast list, the character list was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And it, it was just like you know, a lot of them had their own personal storylines, which like if you read into it, it, it's they're all emotional, they're all gripping. The issue is it's just so many of them. Like, what, what are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, are you, are, you, are you supposed to feel the same for every single one? Dude, no, there's so many fucking characters. Yes, there. but you know, like when a certain character comes in, when a certain character leaves, like you know, people are gonna die. It's it's not it's not a, oh it's, no, it's, it's not a happy go lucky thing. No, definitely not. Right, I mean, if if we if it didn't really sound bad enough in the first part we were talking about Tokyo Ghoul, wait till you get into Tokyo Ghoul Re. So here's uh, my second problem with Tokyo Ghoul Re, which is similar to Tokyo Ghoul, the original manga series. It is rather slow in the beginning. That see, no, I agree with that one. I think like the reason why it was slow in the first one, it's to set the world, to set the yeah. the foundations for how a character develops, um, to be able to create a baseline of you know, where familiarity, grows, right? right? Like, like you want you want to get used to these characters. You want to see the growth of Ken Kaneki, especially being thrown into the deep end of a very crazy world. Yeah, I agree, and that excuse is oh, not excuse. That reasoning is very legitimate. It makes a little more sense. It's very legitimate. Yeah, in Tokyo Ghoul Re you would think is a sequel everyone knows or expects what's going to happen but they still do that to the point where there is a plot line that is so obvious i swear to god it is the most obvious thing on the human planet yeah see i think that one was way more drawn out than yes yeah a hundred percent that one i agree with you a hundred percent and it is fun it's funny to me because that plot line is not only super obvious to any reader, but is also super obvious to the characters in the manga. It's like who are you trying to who are you trying to trick here? Like who do you think we are? Yeah, it's just like it's like okay, come on, okay, just 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 just, and then when they reveal the thing, it's like oh my god, this is this is crazy, isn't? And I'm just like, you should have done it like three volumes earlier. And we all knew what was going on. So so that was, like, if anything, my second kind of major issue. And then... First, I think it was just maybe, like, Sayoshida just trying to be a little too smart, right? Trying to give, you know, certain characters and themes a little more of a spotlight. When really, like, it, you know when there's, like, too much of a good thing or too much of something in general... 
afterwards just leaves moderation, the, man. Yeah, right. You you just can't overkill things. Which then leads to my last gripe with the Tokyo Ghoul Re. I think the ending, and this is like the part where I'm a bit torn because when it comes to ending oh, anything. Yeah. Whether it is a manga, anime series, whether it is a live action, novel, anything. Ending something that has been reached to a certain amount of acclaim and popularity is going to put a lot of pressure. Like, so, yeah, like the, what? Like Harry Potter, like Game of Thrones. The hardest thing to say sometimes is goodbye, right? Exactly. Or how to end it in a way that is satisfying and also satisfying to enough people. And I feel the ending is not bad. I think the ending is fine. A lot of people disagree with me on that, and we will get into that. And actually, we can get into it right now. Long story short, a lot of people don't like the ending. Really, very vehemently do not like the ending to the point that they sent death threats. Yep. And they burned the manga in broad daylight. It's crazy what people will do when, like, you know, someone starts infringing on their opinion. Wasn't it like that Attack on Titan thing? Right, yeah. That we mentioned, like... In, in the final season, like, people from MAPPA getting death threats because apparently the 3D CG and the animation quality was bad. But, like, fucking the final, final season of... Uh, the final season part one of Attack on Titan is what is, is probably, like, one of the most highly rated... Yeah. It's crazy how highly rated that thing is, but there's just still like handfuls of people that think, oh, you know, like you guys just ruined what Studio Wit did. You guys all deserve to die. But I was like, that, that's really fucked up, man. Yeah, it is really fucked up. So I knew that this negative sentiment was there before I even consumed Tokyo Ghoul because not only did Will inform me of this, but it's if you Google it, you'll know that a lot of people don't like the ending of Tokyo Ghoul, the whole series. But specifically also Tokyo Ghoul Re. And I think it was fine, but also a bit of a cop-out. It was an easy ending. That's why I said it's fine, yeah. right? Like it's, it, it did like, what okay. it needed to do. Like, okay, all right. Like, but it's also like something you would have seen in a lot of other manga. I can name a lot of other manga that have a similar kind of ending. And it still let, left me feel, feeling a bit empty. Surprisingly, yeah. And I just feel like it's very anticlimactic. Like, yeah, with, with, the, with these, like, just, okay, like, you know, fine. Sometimes endings just need to end, blah, blah, blah. That's the whole point of an ending, right? But there's, there's, a, there's a certain way of finessing it, right? There's a certain way of doing uh, one chapter or an anime, one episode, to encapsulate the emotion, the emotional ride that you've been through for a series, and then just end it the way it started. Yeah. I can name like maybe one or two properties that do endings really well. Actually, two right off my, right off my head. And both Let, of them are both of them are anime originals. One of which is Code Geass. Okay, right, and the other one is Gurren Lagann. Except Code Geass is not the remake, right? No, 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 no. no. We're, we're the, talking the, about the two season. We're talking about season one, and season two. Okay, that's okay. it. Yep. Everything else afterwards, uh, fuck off. Okay, yeah. So. Now that we have talked about the series in general, but also mainly about the manga... The OG source, the only source. Let's talk about the anime. Man. Yeah? Fuck the anime. So, 
Look, this is not me being like, oh, manga. Master like, race. Masters, oh, OG source only. Uh, all you other ones, you're just Neanderthals looking and moving pictures. Blah, blah, blah. No, that, that, that's, that's not what I'm trying to say. Okay? Like, I'm not calling you mouth breathers or whatnot. I'm not saying that one's definitely superior compared to the other. Then what are you trying to say? I think that the adaptation, the anime adaptation, does not do the manga any justice whatsoever. Now, okay, now look. The first season of Tokyo Ghoul was apparently quite faithful, right? I didn't watch it. I just read up on like forums and reddits on subreddits and all that. And they all liked it. They really liked the animation. They liked the voice acting. Uh, they felt that you know, it, it was a really faithful adaptation, uh, at least up until like the last episode. Route A, which is the follow-up season... On the other hand, that was when the Tokyo Ghoul anime train just derailed. So, Tokyo Ghoul Route A is the interim anime between the original Tokyo Ghoul series, anime series that's based off of the manga series of the same name, and then two seasons of Tokyo Ghoul Re, which is based off of, as you might expect, Tokyo Ghoul Re, the manga series. The Route A is an anime original, and that's even fine. And it's also uh, written to a certain extent by Soyushida himself. Yeah, he's handed over a script because they were catching up to the anime. I think by the time the Tokyo anime had finished, they had just wrapped up the original Tokyo manga, which meant that there wasn't a lot of time to get everything adapted. Um, studios usually work on very very tight deadlines so therefore he had already had like another script prepared to be able to roll out original content he oversaw it as well but you know studio piero which is the studio that's done all the adaptations for uh, for tokyo ghoul they're not known to be the most faithful when it comes to adapting things now granted we did say that there was there was a bit of a, of a redemption arc in that they released, you know, the sleeper hit of 2020, Akudama Drive. So I have a little more faith in them. But at the time, you know, they they done it with Naruto, right? They done it with Bleach. They done it with obviously Tokyo Ghoul. I don't know how if they did anything like that with um, Black Clover or um, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. I actually did read though that Black Clover they actually tried to be as faithful as possible to the point where like now uh, Black Clover the anime has officially ended. Like, they're done. But the manga's still ongoing because I think they've learned from their mistakes where it's like, people don't want us to just throw out random filler shit. So we're just going to end it here and then when there's more material, we'll release a movie. Cool. That's very respectable. They did not do that for Tokyo Ghoul. They just came up with a new, like, original script, but it ends up butchering a lot of things because there's a lot of inconsistencies. And when they tie it back to the series, when they actually have more source material to run, to run with... Which is Tokyo Ghoul Re, by the way. It took them like, literally like running miles around in circles just to bring things back to equilibrium. And even then, there's like, there so many things lost in between. And they retcon stuff. Yes. With one thing in particular that I'm referencing. Two things, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Needless to say, even despite our gripes with it, the anime apparently does two things very right that a lot of people will not dispute. The anime opening? The anime opening being one of them. And the second is it is still popular as heck. Crazy popular. 
super it, popular. What, top 10, right? Top 10 popularity on Mel? Uh, I think it's seventh. It's seventh. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, going back onto the first point that uh, we were talking about, the opening, the first opening for Tokyo Ghoul, Unravel by TK from Ling Tosite, Sigure, or whatever the last part of the name is. It's crazy how popular this song is. I really like the song. I also really like the opening montage for the opening. I, okay, I will agree to that. It, it's the 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 sky. Yeah, it, it's a very good image. The color of like and the, the chair, the the, the wings like, going from black. I think just the the, the juxtaposition between color and darkness was just and mwah, like the infinite, wonderful. like the infinite, like horizon. Yes, yeah. I will agree on that note. Yeah, I did a little bit of research as well in terms of how popular this song is. All right, let's go. Will lay so, it on it. Uh, Spotify actually um, ran out like uh, some 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 data points in terms of the number of streams for Japanese songs that were streamed outside of Japan. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Will, but before that, would you want to sort of list all the openings of Tokyo Ghoul first? Ah, yes. So uh, we're talking about the openings for Tokyo Ghoul, the original season. Tokyo Ghoul Route A, and then the two seasons of Tokyo Ghoul Re. And that is the chronological order of not only release, but also of the storyline. Yep, 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 yep. So the first one, uh, as I mentioned, uh, this one is Unravel uh, by TK. So, oh man, wonderful. I, I, I've probably listened to the song way too many times. It's probably why I got an ear infection two weeks ago, but eh, whatever. Uh, now, the other ones that came out... Um, this one I didn't really like as much. Um, the the opening for Tokyo Ghoul Route A is Muno by Österreich, um, the German word for Austria, followed by Tokyo Ghoul Re uh, opening one, which was Asphyxia by Koshuni. And then the last one, uh, which is Tokyo Ghoul Re opening two, which is Catharsis by TK. Um, from the, the guy who also sang uh, the first original opening. Now, uh, officially, we uh, cannot play the music, obviously. Yeah, copyright and Copyright all that. and all that. But don't fret not, because if you just Google or YouTube it, you will, even if you YouTube, not even Tokyo Ghoul openings, but what top 10 best anime OPs, I guarantee you someone at some point was like, yeah, Tokyo Ghoul. It's it's so popular that like for me, like even though I I shit on the anime, I will never shit on Unravel. I think like if it were not for Unravel, I, I like this is I, this is not a hot take. I truly do believe that if it was not for Unravel, Tokyo Ghoul the anime would not be as popular as it is now. I think it's it's considered a modern classic. I mean, dude, you type in Unravel on YouTube, it has 121 million views. You type in anime openings, it's in the top 10 when it comes to like most viewed videos. It has 45 plus million views. Now, of course, it, we're not talking like specifically about licensed videos or the things that come in from Anime Lab or Funimation or any of the Japanese music studios that have YouTube pl- channels. Unfortunately, there's going to be some that are, are personal channels and like there might be some copyright issues. That's besides the point. So like this top 10 list also includes stuff from like No Game No Life, Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, uh, My Hero Academia, One Punch Man. You know, th- this, is, this is like pretty pretty big company to be a part of. 
Um, and then back onto the Spotify thing I was talking about in terms of Spotify's most streamed Japanese songs outside of Japan in 2020, eight out of those 10 songs are anime openings. Now, I think we've talked about Demon Slayer. So no doubt that the number one streamed Japanese song outside of Japan last year was Gurenge, which is the uh, opening theme for Demon Slayer, sung by Lisa, with 168 million streams. Second place was Unravel from Tokyo uh, Tokyo Ghoul by TK with 137 million streams. Now, there's also other ones like from Naruto Shippuden, My Hero Academia, sort of online. Um, But damn, like 121 million views on YouTube, 137 million streams on Spotify. I think when it comes to best anime openings of all time, you cannot leave Unravel out of the discussion. Whether you like the song or not, like that's a whole different thing. I know there are people who really don't like the song. I mean, you you have your own personal opinions about the singer himself. Uh, just let me know when it's okay for me to talk. Just 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 yeah. let me know. But I think like you can't take away the impact that Unravel has had on the anime industry itself. Like, uh, that I can agree with 100%. Right? So, I I really like it. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fanboying hard. I'm, I'm really fanboying hard. Like, I really love this opening. There are some openings I do really like as well, but there's just something about watching that Unravel opening that just hits me every single time. So, there are four openings, right, Will? Yeah. And um, they are uh, in order of appearance. Unravel, Muno, uh, and then is it Carth- uh, Asphyxia, and, Asphyxia then Car- and then Catharsis? Yeah, my ranking for the Tokyo Cool openings are, of course, Unravel, followed by Catharsis, then Asphyxia, and then Dead Last is Muno. So here's the part that is going to anger a lot of people. Funny enough, and this is no joke, full 100% serious, my list of openings for Tokyo Ghoul from most favorite to least favorite is Muno, Asphyxia, Catharsis, and finally Unravel, which, if you noticed, is the polar opposite of Will's uh, preferences. I threw my chair across the room when I saw that message. Did you really? Yeah, I would be really angry about that. Um, You liked Muno? Yes, I did. You liked Muno? Yes. The weakest opening of the It's funny because... Under the Muno opening for, I think, Funimation, their YouTube channel, there's one comment, which is pretty high. It's like second or third comment. And they say, either this opening is your favorite or it is the worst opening. Nothing in between. And I read you, that you, comment you and I was hear, like... You can see who's who. And I, was, I read that comment. I was like, very true. A hundred percent true. So why do I not like Unravel when I definitely acknowledge its significance and impact in anime openings and anime in general. And this is, to be honest, more of a personal preference. I just don't like that sort of music. I don't like that sort of vocal uh, voice. It I just don't, vocal voice. <laughs> I just don't know, dude. Like, I'm you're, trying not to. You're like, running out of ways to talk shit about you know one of the greatest anime openings of all time. If you're gonna talk shit, back it up. I put Unravel and Asphyxia and Cath- no, not Asphyxia. I put Unravel and Catharsis on my anime Spotify playlist, just so that when it comes up on shuffle, 
I hear it the first couple of seconds, and then I click next. And every time I do that, it is kind of gratifying. You just have it out for TK, huh? Yes, I do. hundred percent. Right. I just, well, I just don't like it. What about his band, Ling, Ling Tosai? Well, you know the openings he did for Psychopaths. I also don't like it. Okay. You know this, Will. Yeah. Well, Why I mean, you, I'm well, a biased person. You're a biased person. You know, to each their own. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to disparage its impact. I just don't like it. 137 million streams on Spotify. Hey, they could be wrong. 121. Yeah, yeah. You know who else was wrong? The Nazis. <laughs> That's what I said. Right. And you. And, and the the very song that you <laughs> like is sung by a band called Österreich, which is German. Yes. For you Austria. also pointed that out. Okay. Too. So okay. And they know a thing or two about Nazis themselves. So, the opening credits so the song aside the opening montages i think unravel is pretty good in terms of that particular image that we're talking about the clear blue sky the chair and the infinite horizon i think everything else oh no sorry uh with unravel is actually pretty good because like they do like the wing stuff with like different colors and stuff that was cool 100 percent. i don't like the song but i i stand by the opening montage the other two, Catharsis and Asphyxia, I thought was pretty generic. I, I thought that the Catharsis was just kind of similar in terms of the color juxtaposition um, compared to the first one. So, yeah, I, I'd say like it was much more impactful um, for Unravel. I can see, like, you, know, you already see Unravel. You already know what to expect with Catharsis, being that it's a very similar kind of opening It's just montage. a bunch of people looking the like, a lot of, like, pan above, shots. Pan shot of Tokyo Tower. And yes, and then, like, people looking into the distance and doing cool poses. And then Ken looking up again. You see his red eye, normal eye again. It's like, well, okay, you know, we, oh, we've never seen this before, you know? All right. But the song's still cool. I like it. So then comes the big bad, which is... Muno. Yeah, why the fuck do you like Muno? It's literally the same palette all the way through. Is it just because the lyrics are deep and meaningful and brooding? Uh, first of all, yes. But the other thing is because it's super different than all the other openings. Yeah, but different doesn't make it good, right? <laughs> right. But I thought the fact that it was... You're just being soft edgy now. Oh, it's, it's cool to be different. No, but I feel that the imagery was... It was very artistic, which is very different than all the other openings, definitely. Um, it breeds sort of like an interesting color palette that they use. And the animation, or I guess lack thereof, for the opening obviously was done on purpose in such a way that I can appreciate. And people say that, oh, it's like minimalist paintings where like people say, like, oh, it's just nothing. It's just a... A green square with a with a line through it, and it's worth like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and to me, it looked just like a water art montage. But I like it yeah. that, for that very reason. Doesn't mean that I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I'm far from it. Like you obviously have a way of like liking certain things. I have a certain way of liking things. Like there's no way. And the fact that the credits just go on to the side, and it's the image like moves and changes, and the colors in the background changes, but it's essentially just those images and the credits roll on the side. I just feel like. It's just done in a very artistic way and creative rather than your typical openings, which is a lot of pan shots, a lot of different characters that show up. Sometimes there is like hidden Easter eggs throughout. I just feel like that this is different in such a way that I dig. Yeah. I mean, much like, you know, how controversial the opening is. It's also the opening for Tokyo Ghoul Roots A. Now, I will say that, uh, which we will get into spoilers. I feel that. 
despite the fact that I think it's the strongest opening, I think Route A is by far, by far the worst thing in the pantheon of Tokyo Ghoul. I mean, you also, you said it's different, right? The opening for Tokyo Ghoul Route A, you know, being very different from the others? Yeah, yeah because it's the anime original. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, Very, very different. So, uh, Will, uh, did you, now that we talked about the manga, we talked about the anime, You, as uh, I'll say, you can check it out, the anime on Netflix and Crunchyroll. We watched it. I watched it on Netflix. You can definitely watch it on Netflix or Crunchyroll. I'm not. Or Funimation. I've blacklisted it off my Netflix. Uh, I've deleted it off the, hey, here's a new show you should, you should watch. Like those Netflix suggestions. No, I ignore that shit all the time. There's a bunch of like light novels, a bunch of art books and video games, but I feel like there's not really any pressing need to say it. So The games are crap. Okay. Most, I mean, it, it's a it's a topic that we'll be talking about in, in, a future in the future episode. episode yeah. Um, but just right off the bat, um, I've played one game, one mobile game. Um, which hey, 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 here's a here's a good game. Uh, read Tokyo Ghoul, the digital manga, and flip through those pages. That's a very good game. You swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, it's almost like a choose your adventure. Except yeah, it's you know, one, and you control the story. You it's, are the, it's, it's 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 a singular direction. You control the pace. Yep. Okay. You can make the music up in your head. Yeah, of course. We're not crazy, by the way. We're, we're actually saying, like, just forget the games. Just read the manga. All right. So uh, I think that concludes a very long, long discussion of the non-spoiler parts of Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah. We will then take a short break. Before, before we go into oh, that, oh, though, oh, do, oh. Do, would you consider Tokyo Ghoul the manga like a modern-day classic, or do you think it's too soon to say that? Look, I know what you're going to say. For I, me, it's it's hard for me because there are some properties that I think like it, be, it would be kind of rude to not include them in. Okay, the, I, the top five. I will. I will definitely say this: of the genre, Tokyo Ghoul is high up there, a hundred percent. Now, when you include all genres of manga and anime, it is still up there, but way less higher than if you were to take out the genre itself just because there's so much competition there's so many varies and uh, varied uh, genres and the fact that it's so subjective beyond yeah. a certain point and we're not just like talking like stats and rankings and all that, that, that this that's is just, just personal that's, that's just the easy way yeah. of saying it. it's oh okay you know what like highest selling hey numbers one, numbers don't lie well yeah, the highest n- n- number one selling manga is one piece so obviously one piece is the best right 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 Oh, you know, like Berserk has been running for years. It's like, you know, the top three, right? So it's got to be one of the best, right? It's like, okay, like there's definitely some credence to, you know, those state those statements, but like we're not making it as simple a discussion. We're just trying to say that like public opinion can be muddied by stats, can be muddied by numbers. In the end, it just comes down to your own personal opinion and whether you want to voice it out and be an asshole or do you want to just keep it to yourself and just enjoy it for what it is. Look, I'm kind of on the both. I like I like being that brash asshole that says that Tokyo Ghoul is great, but I really do think it's great. We understand that this is called the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Despite the fact that we love manga, we know that a lot of people, statistically speaking, consume mainly through anime. Yep. If that's the way that you go... That's the way that you go. I've talked to a fair amount of people about Tokyo Ghoul, and they all say Tokyo Ghoul is trash. But then again, I asked them, so did you read the manga? Hell no. Of course, I watched the anime. It's like, well. So here is what I would suggest. 
you watch the first season of Tokyo Ghoul first because not only does it contain Unravel, it also sets the world up in terms of the look and feel of it. Now, if you like what you see and if you are willing to, you know, go a step further, you stop right there and either uh, read the manga or just like you by at that point you just decide it just re i think by the time you've read up to the first two volumes you'll have an idea of whether you enjoy it or not fine the first volume is a bit like you're like i mean yeah it's it's a bit slow you do need a little bit more if you finish the second volume and you're still not vibing with it then okay save your money put it somewhere else Okay, so we are going to then... That's our, that's our concluding thought on the non-spoilery discussion, right? Yeah, next we're going to just be tearing this shit apart and going into the nitty-gritty. All right, we will be right... Like how a ghoul rids a human apart. Yep, we'll be right back after this. uncensored content of today's discussion topic of Tokyo Ghoul. And we're alive. Okay, when I say uncensored, I don't mean like, ooh, this is going to be some risky shit. No, it's more just like, we're not going to hold any punches. We're going to be talking about like the things that we really liked about specific you know, trends and tropes and themes of the, of the, of the manga, things we really didn't like about the anime, which is basically everything. Uh, and just, you know... I mean, speak for yourself. You, you, you liked some of the anime? No. Good. We're on the same page here then. So, um, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the uh, general theme and some of the you know the more basic like story points of Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Re, and a little bit of Tokyo Ghoul Jack. So, now we're going to be sort of going into things we really liked about the show and the manga. And no hold bars. Yeah, just basically on it. Just, just go free for all. So, where do you want to start, Will? Well, I think in terms of you know the, the moment for me when I realized you know this is it. This is my calling. My calling is to read the rest of Tokyo Ghoul and Tokyo Ghoul Re. Um, earlier, I was I was talking about uh, you know having read having to read up to two volumes of the original manga to decide whether you felt this was something that you wanted to keep reading or if you wanted to save your time and money and go elsewhere. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is because you know as we earlier mentioned about two specific characters, a young woman ghoul and her ghoul daughter. Ah. Um, <sighs> Man, do you Hina- remember Hinami being the yeah. Hinami Fuegushi? Uh, yeah, uh, do you remember reading that that chapter? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so shit is <sighs> fucked up. That was such a hard read. That was so hard to read. Uh, when we mean by hard, we mean heart wrenching, right? It it really just tugged on my heartstrings having to actually come to terms with what I had just witnessed. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty sad, pretty right. tragic. Yeah. So when I was talking about how this specific event led up to the development and uh, I guess you know, generally developing the plot of Tokyo Ghoul, what happens is you know 
we we talked about the CCG, right? They're you know Contragool investigators, and they're going around basically you know neutralizing ghoul threats uh, within specific wards. Now, this one isn't necessarily a threat, but more like I think they the CCG made this move. I'm talking about Mado specifically, which is you know one of the CCG investigators. So the guy is creepy. Yes, uh, and this is specifically referring to Papa Mado, the yeah. the father, because there is later on Kurio Mado, or no, yeah, Kurio Kurio Mado, and then later on it's Akira Mado, which is his daughter. Yes, so we're specifically talking about Papa. Now this man has a you. Know, He's he's basically a mad scientist. He's got a deep infatuation uh, with ghouls, because ghouls. The reason why they're the, the separation between a human and a ghoul uh, comes down to like a uh, biological, like molecular level, uh, in which you know the the blood that they contain has RC cells. Now RC, I believe it stands for red children, uh, and these are cells that uh, essentially help to transform you from a human into a ghoul. So certain hum- humans generally, they, they will have RC levels. This is specifically within the world of Tokyo Ghoul. This does not bleed into any other properties, right? And this is not like a real human thing. Don't look it up like that deep. So humans generally have like a level between 500 and 800. That would be like the normal reading for a, uh, for a human. Whereas ghouls would have a much higher RC level, which is why they're able to manifest you know, these cells into a thing called uh, a Kagure, um, so which is like that kind of like internal sort of like biomorphic weapon that's like, concealed within their bodies, uh, and there are like four types. I keep yeah. forgetting. There's like a bikaku. There's like a kukaku, or they they're all different types. You know, some of them are like need to be like fast and stealthy. Some of them are more sort of like uh, tanky, kind of like armor typed uh, kagunes. And there's a stone, a rock, paper, scissors kind of yeah. hierarchy, except with four rather than three things. Yeah, so one beats the other and so on and so forth. So basically the big reveal is that these investigators hunt down ghouls and in order to level the, 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 the playing field, they incorporate these devices or weapons. And it is revealed that these weapons are obtained through essentially uh, extracting the, the kagune from the ghouls themselves and then using it as like this emotionless weapon. Yeah. So that's why you know, the CCG is able to be on par. Right, if you extract uh, a A level ghouls kagune, you would then be able to be able to have an A level CCG weapon to use against the ghouls. Yes, and that is also extra why a lot of ghouls not only hate the CCG because obviously they're being hunted, but because they are also being murdered by their own, I guess, dead kind. Yeah, I think like that's kind of where we, we talked about the the, the the philosophy behind like the the story. Like you know, for a lot of people, you know, humans are thinking, oh, you know, like it's that us versus them mentality. Like they're trying to kill us and eat us. Therefore, we get to team up and fight against them. And for ghouls, I think for them too, it's just like, well, we didn't want to be born this way. We just happen to be ghouls, and this is the way that we have to live and survive, right? So why should we be prejudiced against? 
of course, then it's like, well, if you're eating humans in a society where it's run by humans, of course you're going to come across a group of people that's like, hey, that's not cool what you're doing. Therefore, you know, the, 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 the ultimate team to fight against would be the CCG. So bringing it back to Papamado. Now, he, as I mentioned, has a, fatu- has a massive infatuation over, Tokyo, uh, over ghouls, specifically their Kagane, because he likes to extract and develop new weapons out of them. So then he finds out that this young woman and this young daughter, Hinami, walking around the streets of Tokyo, he's like, I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to take them out because we don't want no ghouls walking around the streets. We want our streets to be safe, right? We want our, you know, our fellow human beings to be able to, to live in peace. So then he hunts them down. The mother, you know, of course, being protective, senses danger and gets her daughter to get the fuck out of there. So she hides. Ken happens to be there. And so she's somewhat safe. But the mother, of course, is now in the, in the grasp of Papamato. Kareomato drops his suitcase, pulls out a weapon, his manifested Kagane weapon. The mother says, I love you, and her head comes off. The spread on the manga panel was just, oh my god. I wasn't crying, but like it hurt. It hurt to see that. Yeah, it definitely did. And then finding out that this is, you know, the Kagane was actually extracted from her late husband. Uh, and Hinami's father, yes. That was extra, extra fucked up. That was extra fucked up. I feel that the, the turning point of Hinami and the mother is very uh, important because even though it's only been one and a half volumes, they have painted this picture of ghouls being very black and white of they're just straight up evil they murder people they eat people so they're they're just terrible things that needs to be eradicated off this planet but then here you have uh a mother and daughter that for all intents and purposes are trying their very best not to murder or kill anybody in cold blood they eat through uh antiku's little uh, meal, their meal plan their meal ration which they obtained through uh, earlier in the non-spoiler section. I alluded to it, which was through people who committed suicide in or this, like, or like you know, like um, deathbound like uh, prisoners, stuff like that. So they they were going to die, the, or they were already dead. So as ethical as it can be, yes. basically, yes, 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 considering what they're doing. So then, uh, the mother and the daughter was essentially just trying to survive, not actually killing people too, even just. They're eating their little ration and just making it through the day as much as they can. So then to have that kind of disparity between what you thought ghouls were versus to see a very clear example of, for all intents and purposes, an innocent ghoul not only get murdered, uh, the mother getting murdered in front, kind of in front of Hanami, the oh, daughter, who's, was, yeah. who she's a baby girl. Like, not baby girl, but like, what, six? Prepubescent young kid. like Single digits, 100%. Yeah. And then have them reveal that the late husband, Hanami's dad, is being used to kill Hanami is extra levels of fucked up. And also highlights the, the beast-like depravity of 
human beings. In this case, Mado, the investigator. Yeah, this is the part where it's like this is like the very beginning of this whole emotional roller coaster of what it means to be good and evil for Ken, right? Because he's seeing like this is fucked up. Like I hate I hated ghouls. I didn't want to be have any part in ghouls whatsoever. But that I just witnessed this human slay this innocent ghoul out of cold blood, like for no fucking reason. And then later on, as we get into like the latter chapters, um, where Ken gets kidnapped, right? There's an organization, a secret uh, ghoul organization called the Argiri Tree, uh, which is like a secret society of ghouls that kind of just run things. It's, it's almost like a, the, they're ghoul it, advocates, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's almost like a, a mafia, right? Um, it's a big family, and there's you know there's like henchmen, right hand men, left hand men, all that. Uh, but you know he's a very special case because he falls in the in between. He's not human. He's not ghoul. He's literally halfway. Uh, and he's an artificial uh, creation. Therefore, he's a specific kind of uh, interesting specimen to both sides, both the humans and the ghouls. So there is a very, very well-known scene that is depicted somewhat censored in the anime, but obviously uncensored in, in full glorious. Yes. Oh, and uh, Will, actually, I bought a shirt for him. Which that, I paid you back for. Yes, that he's wearing. That is specifically about this moment, which is very interesting to me when I first showed it to him the, through like, oh, hey, uh, they're doing a Tokyo Ghoul sale on like apparels. Like, and then I took photos of different shirts. And this one, he was just like, I want that. I don't give a shit. Just get it for me and now. This, this is before you knew anything about uh, Tokyo yes. Ghoul. So then I was like, okay, which is a bunch of numbers. And then it says 1,000 minus 7. And then it's just a bunch of numbers minus 7. And I just didn't understand what it meant. And then when I read it in the manga, it was actually an extremely important pivotal scene. Because, long story short, Ken gets kidnapped by this uh, ghoul organization. Yeah, and the ghoul specifically that it's in charge of is incarceration and uh, it was capture and... Uh, imprisonment and then therefore torture is uh, his, his name is Yamori, but he wears a mask that is very much akin to Jason Voorhees. Yes, the the Western uh, horror, what do you call it? horror I, I, villain, I, I horror they, figure? Yeah, I think they just call him Jason in the manga. Yes, they do just yeah. call him Jason. So then, uh, it is not me, but also he tortures uh, Ken, but because Ken is half ghoul, he has ghoul regenerative abilities but just because your body is regenerating does not mean that your mind is degrading because torture is terrible and it eats away not only on your physical being but your mental being as well so then in order to prevent as much damage as possible this torturer tells ken jason tells ken to count down from 1000 in increments of seven and as Ken does that, he gets tortured nonstop. Yeah, he gets his like toenails ripped out, his fucking like toes and fingers cut off and shit. And of course, he's regenerating them, but the pain doesn't go away, right? And then like, he's just going, okay, uh, 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 one thousand nine hundred ninety-three, uh, nine hundred eighty-six. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and he just goes down. He, down, he down. also goes kind of insane. And then there's a very uh, that moment is not only pivotal because of the brutality of it, but what comes after, which was. He kind of has a, what do you say, hallucination or, like, epiphany of some sorts. Like, it's visions. Just black, it's just blacked out. And it's just his eyes and, and it is, it is seeping through his hands. It's just like... No, but he also yeah. sees Rize. Yeah. And then 
Uh, oh, Reese is alive, by the way. Yeah. Alive in some way. Yes. And then at that point, but it's Reese in Ken's mind. Yes. At this point. So he's hallucinating or imagining. And essentially, Ken eats this imaginary Rize to symbolize that he is a ghoul. Accepting of his, finally accepting that he is a ghoul. And then at that point, Ken the pussy becomes Ken the semi-badass. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I think you, you glossed over the one of the similar parts of the torture where not just you know, cutting and degrading his, his, his fingers and, and toes, but uh, Jason pulls out a centipede. Oh, God. Yeah, and okay. Now, of course, you know, counting that for a thousand, centipedes have a, have a hundred legs. So it really should have just been a millipede. But what happens is he just puts that fucker in his ear. Oh. And bandages him up, right? God. Yeah, so. She has a fucking centipede in his head, eating up his brain. Yeah, so it's pretty messed up. It was graphic as shit. I mean, that's why you said, right? This is literally uncensored, mm-hmm. gratuitous gore. Now, here then comes probably one of my most confusing things about Tokyo Ghoul. Kind of his hair, right? Yes. Which is, throughout this point in time, Ken has black hair. And then, all of a sudden, he has white hair after this transformation scene. So you could say it's symbolism, except it's obviously manifesting in the physical realm, like in reality of the manga, but they don't really explain it. And long story short, throughout the whole series of Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Ghoul Re, and all that stuff, Ken shifts hair color from black to white to black to white at pivotal moments, I guess, but for no apparent reason. I mean, other than the fact that he's achieved ultimate edginess. Yes. That's literally it. It's it. like making a grand statement to the to the readers, like, wink, wink, nod, nod, hey, this Ken is different than the other Kens. I mean, there may be some explanation, but I still think, like, no matter what you say, it's a bit of a stretch. Yes. Like, let's just say, like, okay, this guy is edgy now. He's now the Ken, he's the ghoul. So speaking of Rize, we found out that uh, Rize actually is alive, but is basically her brain function is not very sentient. Yeah, but technically it's because like he's got Rize's organs she, inside her, in him, right? No, so, no, no, I'm talking about like when Rize reunites with Ken yeah, in but, real life. Uh, yeah, yeah, but what I mean though is that because like, he's got like her, technically her RC cells inside him, therefore like that's why he has those manifestations in his head. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that anymore. What do you mean? Like, you were talking about like before it happened? No, after with Yoma showing him. Ah, yes. Yes. Okay. Like, actually in person. Yes. When he reunites with Rize, and Rize is basically a hollow person. Yeah. And kind of, uh, like, she animalistic. Shows a, she, she shows up a lot <laughs> later on, which yeah. she didn't do in the anime. Right. And also, I actually thought that Rize would have a greater presence and influence, because obviously, in the very beginning and throughout the whole series, her organs are in Ken, so I thought that there was this whole psychological thing. And there was, especially in the torture scene, the infamous torture scene, but then it kind of just dissipates. Yeah, it's mostly just Ken in his own thoughts, and then he's having, like, Rize being in there as, like, the crutch or even, like, the bad influence. So it's just, like, further exacerbating his his, his mental downfall. So I also feel that uh, the raid arc of the the uh, Aogiri tree. tree was pretty well done. It's a very, very long action 
uh, sequence. I mean, to the point where it's an arc that covers multiple volumes. But I think it was done very well. One thing that I like about Tokyo Ghoul and Tokyo Ghoul Re was that at certain points of the manga, they show like a map of who is where and a brief one sentence synopsis of they're doing what. Yeah. And makes it very, very easy to know who is where doing what and understanding, oh, this person tries is trying to get to this person. Oh, he's technically he or she's technically closer, but then encounters this person and then it just it flows very, very well. And I am I was very impressed by the sequence of events of the raid arc. Um speaking of flowing very well, can we just you know give like you know just a, a few minutes of appreciation for Juzo, Suzuya? Yeah, so one of the greatest characters in Tokyo Ghoul, at least in my opinion. Uh I thought in the in Tokyo Ghoul original, it was all right. It was, it's, just, it's just this little crazy fucking bandicoot just rushing around and killing things. Who also had his balls crushed. Yeah, that's when you start learning more about his backstory. And, Which is kind of fucked up. Because it's like, is he a girl? Is she a girl? Is he a guy? What is he? Oh, he's just insane. And okay. then there is like, he he, he is like fa- uh, mothered by this ghoul called the Madame. Yeah. And uh, who uh, runs an auction house for humans so then ghouls can eat them because you know eating gourmet humans is the pinnacle of art as uh tsukiyama uh said which is a very well-known character and very major character throughout the whole series yeah the ghoul named gourmet Yes. Because, you know, eating humans to sustain life, fine. But it's just like... Oh, this you, is that simpleton shit, man. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you, you eat food for sustenance, that's it? No, right? You gotta, you know, you know how to marinate certain meats. You know how... You need I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I mean, I do. Yeah, but it's like, you can't just eat that every day, right? You want some variety. You want new flavors. You want to try and experience... You want to elevate You want to enjoy food, exactly. right? Not just use it as a means to survive. Right, so then, like you, you just start seeing that, like this is what humans are now. Like to, to ghouls, some of them, they will think humans are just livestock. Ways you can just you know enjoy living as a ghoul. Yeah. So I thought that uh, another final thing that I I will end on in, in regards to my thoughts on the original Tokyo Ghoul is, I thought that the last battle with the one-eyed owl was a bit of a letdown, and then I checked in the anime. Oh my god, that fight was hell of a letdown in the anime because at least in the manga it was just a bunch of action for the sake of action but in the manga uh, in the anime uh, sorry in the manga it was just action for sake of action but at least it made some sort of sense in the anime yeah they fight but it is nowhere as epic and it's drawn so poorly yep so if if we haven't really made it clear to stay away from the anime I think Jason encapsulates it very well. The ending is going to leave you hollow. And that's the last thing that I think we should talk about before we move on to Tokyo Ghoul Re, which is the ending of Tokyo Ghoul. And we should, actually, we should talk about Route A as well. But Oh, Route A is just trash. But in uh, H- Hide is Ken's best friend who is a human. Yeah. In the manga, it is unclear whether or not he is alive or dead. Yeah. Because long story short... Ken is about to die. And he that shows up and says, eat me. And then you don't see anything. Blackout. Move on to Re. No, but he also fights Arima. But, yeah, but then Blackout to and Re. He, and he is gone. Yeah. 
and then shows up later. Yeah. In the anime, he just straight up dies. Yep. He just fucking dies. Out of nowhere, just like, hey. It's just like, why? Your, your best friend? Game over. And it's so dumb because then later on, he shows up again in Tokyo Ghoul Re. They had to re-retcon, like, unretcon that shit. Recon, rec- I don't know. They, I don't know what you fucking call it. They just butchered Hide in the anime. Yeah. It's just sad. And Hide is, at least in the mangas, portrayed as very sensitive, very observant even, and very uh, articulate and intelligent. Whereas in the anime, I can say with certain scenes... He's that bright-haired dumbass. He just is like kind of like a frat boy. Yeah. But... Is doesn't have the capabilities to be a frat boy. He plays a very important role because he's so supportive of Kei. He suspects there's already something wrong. Like that's how that's, that's how investigative he is. But it's like no matter what, like even if Ken is a ghoul or not, he's like, like brothers to the end. Right? I am that. I, I hopefully I am like your like I'm your human crutch. Like I will be able to support you no matter what happens to you. Uh, also, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think in the anime there is like this. Um, homoerotic yeah there is some there's some of that because like there's that one scene where ken literally carries hide and it's just like this moment where it's supposed to be very it is a major moment but it deviates from the manga but it's just like you're overdoing it like even like homoerotic like illusions and tendencies like no problem but there is a limit to anything, moderation is key here, and they just overdo it really badly. Like in Re, like when he does reappear, he's like wearing a mask. He's wearing the scarecrow mask, and then when he finally shows up, it's like he takes the mask off, and you can see his mouth and part of his throat are gone. So it's like, hey, that's a pretty uh, intimate part to be eating of yeah, a human. Yeah, and like that is what he did for his best friend to, yeah. in order for him to live. So is it love for like their friendship, love for Ken himself? And this hey, is the, it, love is love. And this is the beginning of where it deviates hugely from. It didn't even. It wasn't even like after Tokyo Ghoul the anime. It was the end of Tokyo Ghoul anime onwards to go to Route A, which is essentially Route A is anime original as we said. And what happens there is that essentially in the manga and in Re actually, Ken. Uh, creates his own splinter group called the Black Goat, and then is which which aim is to reach an understanding between humans and ghouls. Sort of like everyone wants to be living in harmony. That this shit doesn't happen in Route A. In Route yeah. A, he defects to the terrorist organization that tortured him. Yeah, so he is now part of Algidi Tree. I didn't watch any of it, but I know enough from reading like the fandom pages and Brit and subreddits. <sighs> it was stupid. So that uh, and then to make matters even worse, they retconned. No, they didn't retcon it. They only retconned it in re right Hide. Yeah. Okay. So it's not even the shit show yet. No. I mean, it's just a pretty bad shit show, but not yet shit show. What's really weird too is that like in Japan, like even like the creator was like, "Hey, like I know it's the original. Go and read the manga because at the time, like I think." The Tokugou manga was actually free to read, and they were like really pushing people to read that stuff. So I was like, "Well, like, okay, like you're telling us to do one thing, but then you also then roll out this anime. Like, what are we supposed to do here then? Like, which one's the real story to go with?" So yep. it was just confusing all around. I don't think anybody really cared for it. So then we go into Tokyo Ghoul Re. Uh, so uh, the manga was great, but the anime was like you have to tie a lot of like loose ends. 
and it just didn't make sense because a lot of things that were omitted from the anime, they needed to sort of somehow magically make it make sense. So I will, I will talk about the, the, some plot points in uh, Tokyo Ghoul As you know, as I mentioned in the non-spoilery section, I really like Tokyo Ghoul doesn't absolve it from some of the stupidity that is there that I feel are very easily rectifiable. Now, if you ask me how to do it, some things I could tell you, some things I don't know because I don't create any literary or manga work. How do you feel about Toka being relegated to being a housewife? Yeah, so Toka is freaking badass as the rabbit. Oh, dude, she's sick. In in uh, original Tokyo Ghoul, and Silent then, Killer of the Night, fucking awesome. Like murdered a bunch of investigators, but then here, she barely shows up. She does look the art on her looks really cute. Can, can we just be honest? She just gets knocked up. Okay, so there's a very infamous scene. I don't know. Do they show it in the anime? They, I, I don't care. I don't think so. I don't care. There is a very uh of infamous scene intimate in, scene yeah intimate and infamous scene it's chapter 125 simply labeled as what do you remember i don't actually x uh, <laughs> add two more x's to it and that's what you get in the manga uh basically it is uh toka and it's just crotchless, it's just crotchless sex basically but hey is us uncensored could be for a manga no oh no it can be hella uncensored okay, but for for, for, this, for, for, for for weekly shonen yes Weekly Young Jump. You were sorry. Yeah. Weekly Young Jump. Thank you. I was looking at you to correct me. Um, I think that moment at first I thought it was very cringy, but then after I thought about it some more, I thought it was done relatively well. It was really touching too. Like yeah, it was like when she when she finds that it's like hey, you know, humans and ghouls they're not supposed to procreate. They're not supposed to be able to create a child. And then when she had to wolf Force down yeah. that hamburger because she knew that. If she didn't, her baby would die because the ghoul part of her would basically eat the fetus, like inside her. Oh, that was a that was rough too. But also, uh, so yeah, that's that was like heart wrenching. But the other thing that what perplexed me was they did it once, and she somehow knew that she was pregnant. Didn't even do a preg. I don't think they did a. Pre- she did a pregnancy kit. She just somehow knew because what. Nishio was like, oh, I'm not asking you why you're asking me to give you this, but here it is. And I thought, oh, it's a pregnancy test. No, it's a hamburger. So then I was just like, why? The fuck is this? Why? Like, she could get hamburgers everywhere. Just, like, I thought it was a pregnancy test, but hey, hey, whatever. Plot armor, right? So she's relegated to a housewife, Danzel in distress. Or no, not even Danzel in distress. Danzel in... In waiting. In waiting. Hey. She's, she can still defend herself, but like she's not the, the central character anymore. She doesn't need to defend herself. She just needs to have Ken come back home. Hey, uh, but hey, she looks hella hot. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, then she's looking hot, right? Okay. She's got hot competition in this. In okay, no, 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 no. We're, we're going somewhere else first. Uh, Sasaki. Yeah, um, which is the spoiler main- alert. <laughs> so, so, so Sasaki is the main character of Tokyo Ghoul Re, at least the first half or yeah. so. And Sasaki is an anagram for Kaneki. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. Yeah, um, if you haven't figured out, fucking Heisei Sasaki is Ken Kaneki. Yes, and uh, it is painfully obvious since the very beginning, 
and to the point where people are like, why is Ken acting this way? Uh, but, why but, is but, Ken but, forgetting? But, but plot armor again, right? It's like, oh, amnesia is a very easy thing to get, right? It's so convenient to have amnesia. So, like, how would I rectify that? I don't know. But it, it, but I would say this, that the Sasaki character of, or Haise Sasaki yeah. character, and then that switching the whole perspective from... Um, uh, old memories from folding yeah. no no from focusing on the ghouls to focusing on the ccg and i just feel like that is a very good uh change of pace and it, and it also helps introducing all these new characters for better or for worse it was it was good it still took a long time for everyone to finally like oh yeah okay finally now you say you're kaneki yeah and then when they reveal it it makes it such a big deal but it's not everyone in the manga knew who the fuck he was <laughs> All right, are we finally going to talk about the one, the only, the Mitsuki? Mutsuki? So, Mutsuki is one of the major characters of this, of Tokyo Ghoul Ri. And uh, I forgot to tell you that Sasaki, obviously being a half ghoul because he's Ken, at this point, he is leading a group of half ghouls because it just so happens that uh, Tokyo Ghoul Ri takes place two years after Tokyo Ghoul. And it just so happens that they discovered a way to turn humans into half ghouls. And Musuki is one of these half ghouls in this special Q squad, which is full of half ghouls. Now, just to be fully up clear, like there is, of course, the whole idea, the whole gender identification because of the fact that he was born female identifies himself as human as, as male. So therefore, going forward, when, when she turned into a half ghoul, yeah. So therefore, going forward. Because of how he is dressed, we will also address Mitsuki as he. Yes, because that is the way that she wanted to be identified as. So from here point out, she is a he. Okay. He's fucking crazy. Crazy yandere, dude. Jesus. Like, you thought that, like, like Happy Sugar Life had some crazy shit. You thought that fucking Future Diary has some crazy shit. No, this is, this is balls to the wall shit. It's the fan crazy. I mean... Yeah. Like, you know how, like, yandere's are fully obsessed with their target obsession right like but to the point where like you would kill everything around them to have them this one takes a step further by saying if i can't have ken slash haise no one else can so i will kill him okay it's specifically not ken yeah yeah sasaki yes like super super not ken yeah in fact she doesn't want sasaki to bring back his to bring back his memories to become ken and calls her calls him instructor oh god that was so sad to the point where, like, he he she he frames Toka's best friend. Yeah, who also just got oh my god when he, to when, marry. When, when he when he sends her the box, what's in the fucking box? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was a big sickly like a seven like the film David Fincher film seven moment oh, like what's in the box? There's a finger in there, but it turns out not to be no not 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 her finger. And then so then uh, the torso uh, killer was pretty fucked up with uh musuki that and that's when she transitions just like how ken with that torture scene transitions she he he turns into the crazy i guess somewhat violent badass yandere i mean mean, his kagune is fucking intense yeah right like Uh, the 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 level of your kagune is measured by like the number of eyes you have on it and his one was just like there's just too many to count this is off the charts and of course, you know he's in a, a crazy battle with Toka. Yeah, but then he also comes close to killing Ken slash no killing Sasaki in yep. his mind. Uh, 
I feel like uh, we talked about Mado in the first part of the spoiler discussion. So Akira Mado uh, is the daughter, and her role was pretty cool in Tokyo Ghoul and in the beginning parts of Tokyo Ghoul Re. She was because, kick-ass. Yeah, she was because kick-ass. she was a very uh, uh, like a female uh, a female role model in a way, and then. Like she knew how to handle her own. And then she gets gimped in a way. Yeah. And then uh, she meets Amon, which is like her superior uh, in Tokyo Ghoul. And then they kind of like each other. And then she relega- she's get relegated to the sidelines, just like how Toka is. I think that's the issue with Tokyo Ghoul Re, right? There's just so many characters that, like, how do you spend enough time on each individual character's spotlight? Some of them are just bound to fall by the wayside. Yeah. And then Rize shows up in the very, very end with the main main villain makes no sense to me it's just like whatever oh and then uh their baby baby ken kaneki female is born little little baby half yeah so okay here's the first the first naturally born half ghoul all right so let's no naturally born all the others were artificially born what about the intiku guy and his wife ah yes Okay, fine. The first is naturally st- born offspring of half ghoul Ken Kaneki. I will retcon what I just said. Yes, because they did say in the lore that it is possible, it's just extremely rare to have a ghoul and a human create a child. And then it happens to Toka. Yes. Um, the ending is basically, long story short, everyone is happy. Everyone... Uh, Everyone who's alive gets married. Everyone who's alive gets kids, except for Musuki. Musuki says sorry and sends Toka a fruit basket for trying to kill her. And then Toka's like, oh, yeah, our daughter loves apples. Dope. You're forgiven. The end. Uh, and then everyone went out and set their Toka Ghoul manga like Hide, on fire. Hide has, like, a large monologue. Oh, not large. Long monologue about, like, where everyone is at, blah, 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 blah. I think, as I said, the ending is fine. It doesn't really add anything. It doesn't necessarily subtract a lot. It was just an easy, easy way out. It's an easy way out. So fine. I'll just take it. And it does not deserve the hate and venom attitude that a lot of fans have. Yeah. So there we go. We don't want it to like spoil everything because no matter what, we do want you to check out the, the manga. Okay. Maybe it's easier for you to watch the anime. Sure. Go ahead, but you know, heed our warning. Uh, everything past season one is hot garbage. So I mean, even season one is not great. Pacing the pacing all over the place. Yeah. So really, just you know, read read the manga. All right. So then, uh, can we say that we are concluding this episode? Will I think you know? Leave. I, I give Took a Ghoul two thumbs up. One for you. Uh, one and a half. I give uh, Tokyo Ghoul. The whole series, everything included, two thumbs up. But I would give Tokyo Ghoul Re two and a half thumbs up. Wow. I guess. Wow. Just to balance it out. Okay. Just to balance it out. Okay. Look, it's good. Hey, I think it is well worth your time. Very much so. Um, How you get it? Like, just just buy it. It's nice to have on your shelf. And it's all done, completed. So you can binge it. Just like how Rize is the binge eater. Okay, so nice music credits. Our intro is Cali by Boy. Thank God. It's the first time I've said it in a long-ass time. It's a good intro. I like it. Yeah, and then our break is Min 2019 by Minubu. Our outro is What You're Thinking, the instrumental version by Boy. 
You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com. You can reach us at Twitter at palletgood, capital P, capital G, or through our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash palletgood with capital P and capital G. You can visit our website at www.goodanimepalette.com, all one word, lowercase. And uh, this is like the the hundredth time I'm going to shill this out, but we'd really love to hear from any of you guys on Discord. Someone out there, please. So uh, talk to us. The invite link is available in the show description. If you cannot access it for whatever reason, you can either access it through our website or just email us and we'll give it to you 100% gladly. And you can join us in and tell us how wrong we are about certain things. Yep. So as with all the After Dark episodes we want to roll out, we do hope that you check out the series and the shows that uh, we really push out. Um, so stay tuned for more of these. Until then, we'll catch you very soon. Wait, wait, wait. Will, will, will. Quick, 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 quick last thing. So uh, best girl is who in Tokyo Ghoul? Toka. What about Rize? Yeah, that's all you, man. She's got purple hair. I can't touch that shit. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know if I can... I think Toka is awesome okay, waifu I, material. Tokyo Ghoul OG Toka is awesome. I would not want her to just be sidelined because she got... No, but know, she's like super sweet. She did punch Kaneki through the board. Yeah, true. She's still She's still, she's kick, still ass. kick ass. I just wish they showed her... More kick ass. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that is it for now. Uh, we will catch you later, guys. Yep. Get some rest and we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.